Hi, I'm Catherine Boucher. Welcome to While You Were Folding. I created this podcast to continue the conversations about the things that matter in domestic life. I'm a Catholic homeschooling mother of six. My husband, Philip, is a pediatrician, and we've been married for 14 years. I've learned a lot, usually in messy or painful ways, and I have so much more to learn. I'm excited to share this episode with you, and I hope you'll add your voice to the next one. I pray before I record every episode that God will use this podcast to inspire each of us to holiness in our vocations as wives, mothers, and his beloved daughters, and that you will go on to share what you heard while you were folding. Let's jump in. So this week, I wanted to talk about our first Sabbath week reset. So I think I spoke briefly a couple episodes back about how we are trying out a new schedule around here for our homeschool. And those of you who are familiar with homeschooling have probably heard of Sabbath scheduling before. So Sabbath scheduling is basically just modeled after the idea that in sacred scripture, God worked for six days to create the world and all of the things and the people in it, and then he rested on the seventh day. So you echo that idea in your homeschooling schedule by having six weeks on of school and then taking one week off. And the idea is, as homeschooling moms, we're not able to do everything during the regular homeschooling weeks. There are going to be some things that fall through the cracks. And so you use the Sabbath week to prioritize and try to make those things happen that you're not normally able to get to. So before we launched into our first Sabbath week last week, I emphasized to the kids that it was not going to be a week of vacation. And we did 15 minutes of math every day so that we would keep up with our math skills. Because if you take even one week off from math, it's as though we had done no math the whole year. So I knew I wanted to keep that in there and we kept up with the daily chores which was great. But the other things that are important to me to happen during a Sabbath week are appointments that never seem to be able to happen or meeting up with friends or extended family. Um, We definitely made some time for some fun stuff. We took a family trip to a pumpkin patch that we love. That is our annual tradition. And I did a little bit of baking, which I really enjoy. And we had my spiritual director over for dinner and had a fancy schmancy German chocolate cake for dessert, which I made with Jane and Dorothy, which was really fun. And then the biggest thing that was on my list for the week was the big nagging task of trying to swap out everyone's summer clothes for their fall and winter clothes, because we live in Nebraska. Nebraska has some usually pretty cold, harsh winters. The last one was pretty mild, but who knows what we're in for this year. We had already a couple days that were near freezing overnight, And then this weekend, we have a forecast that is telling me that Saturday is going to be 87 degrees. So (laughs) I'm sorry, everyone. Since I swapped out everyone's clothes, that's why we're having the heat wave. Um, But that's a huge task to swap out everyone's clothes for the seasons. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but when you have six young kids and you're going into a new season, you are also going into not just different 
clothes, you are going into usually a different size because kids, it turns out, grow. (laughs) So I had to go through, you know, you go through the current clothes that they have now, what's not going to work in the upcoming season's weather, and then what size do they need for the next upcoming season because they're probably going to grow some more. So you have to pull out the old tubs which I have in the basement labeled by size and gender. And then you have to wash those things that are in the tubs, find out what the new kid likes and then what they want to donate and then put it, wash it and put it in their closet and then pass things down to the next kid. Anyway, it's a cascade and it took a long time, but we did it and we made shopping lists for the oldest kids. Jane and Walt are the oldest boy and girl. So they get, well, girl and boy. So they got, um, they're going to be getting all the new stuff. And then the other thing was inventorying all of the winter gear. So the stuff that we wear when we go outside. So coats, hats, mittens, gloves, scarves, boots, all of those things. So it's a lot. Um, but we did it, but as I'll get to, there are some things that I'm going to do differently for our next Sabbath week. And then the last thing on there was having a scheduled planning slash review session so that I could take stock of um, what went well, what I want to change for the next interval. So I had that podcast episode talking about interval training. We have a 36-week school year, and then we have three terms, three 12-week terms in there. So term one, term two, term three. And that's how I organize all of our coursework for the school year. And then I have started using this interval training, interval planning idea where I take things six weeks at a time, figuring out a habit, three big projects, five smaller action tasks or things that I want to work on for that, and then planning out what my next Sabbath week is going to look like. Um, And it's been going really well. I've enjoyed that setup. And now that I have my first Sabbath week under my belt, I wanted to just come on here and talk a little bit more about that. But before I get into that, I wanted to also take a moment to say, I think the Sabbath week was really the first chance where I've had some opportunities for some real reflection. We've had a lot of transition around here the last couple years. So this is our third year of homeschooling, and it's my first time homeschooling all of the kids the ages that they are now. So we have, this year we have a seventh grader, a sixth grader, a third grader, a first grader, and then we have a three-year-old, and we have a 17-month-old. And our preschooler was attending three-day preschool, but uh, we missed her so much, and she missed us, and we weighed the pros and cons, and uh, I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, And then our 17-month-old, I already said, she's our tag-along for the school day. So one transition of still trying to figure out the homeschooling thing And we're doing homeschooling, adding new kids each year. So that's a transition. Also, we built a house and we moved a year ago in August. And I am still getting back into my physical groove after having a C-section and all of my healing stuff that I talked about back in that physical therapy episode. 
And then uh, one of the biggest things, Philip, my husband, opened his own pediatric primary care practice in January of 2022. So yeah, basically you could say we are a little bit crazy with all of the transitions and changes that we've had around here. And we did have a full-time nanny last year. And she was fantastic. And we love you, Jessica. You are amazing. I don't know how we could have gotten through the last couple of years without you. Um, But she just got married and she had decided she wanted a schedule that lined up more with her fiance's. So um, she decided to pursue a different job and it ended up being a blessing because I think that this has been the right fit for us not to have someone else around full time. Um, but that's been a transition too. And I think Philip just keeps reminding me that there's a lot, there's a lot of change. There's a lot of transition and it's easy for me now that I've listed all of those things out to think, Oh yeah, wow, that's a lot. But when you're living it, you just put one foot in front of the other and you do it. Um, but we had established a lot of patterns that had been working just fine for us between having a full-time nanny and we had figured out the routine that worked for last homeschool year. Um, and then we moved. And so a lot of the things that had been working, we needed to make a lot of adjustments for. And also having a busy three and one-year-old around here is a whole different ball game, but we're figuring it all out. And that's why the Sabbath week was so key. And honestly, I think one of the biggest reasons why I was so afraid to enter into the homeschooling lifestyle is because in the past, I struggled so much with perfectionism. I am very type A you would come to my house right now and you probably wouldn't believe me. (laughs) But I am very type A. I love order. I love organization. I love a good spreadsheet. I love things that are color coded. Um, But then I had six children and God mercifully has forced me (laughs) to let go of control. And um, it's probably been the most difficult, but sanctifying thing that he's put me through in terms of just in general motherhood. It's been really good and beautiful. So the Sabbath week, I love it as a recovering perfectionist because I know I don't have to have it all figured out from day one of starting the school year. And each interval, every six weeks, when we have that seventh week for Sabbath, it's a chance for me to take stock. It's a chance for me to celebrate the wins, to really, truly slow down and acknowledge all of the good, beautiful, amazing things that are happening because of this lifestyle. And then it's also a time to acknowledge maybe we need some more of something. Maybe we need less of other things, what we need to drop, what we maybe need to move around, how each person in the family is doing holistically. So how they're doing emotionally, physically, spiritually, socially, all of those things. And I didn't connect the dots on this, but it was really interesting timing because the week that we had our Sabbath week also happened to be the week that our parish school where our daughter was attending preschool was having parent teacher conferences. And 
I tried to pull each kid aside during our Sabbath week to have some mini conferences with them just to talk through how things were going and ask them a bunch of questions and give them a chance to clear the air if there was anything that they were wanting to talk about. And so, yeah, it was neat because it gave us a chance, mostly me, to then take that information and rework the plan. Um, But they definitely had a lot of input on ways that we wanted to move forward. But what I love about it as a recovering perfectionist is it really allows me to focus on just the upcoming six weeks. And that's all that I need to focus on. I don't need to know where we're going to be at the end of the school year. I mean, it's great to have a plan. (laughs) But as God has taught me, usually in really messy ways, is that when I try to plan too far ahead, it's usually not going to be fruitful for me as a mom of six young-ish kids. Um, it's great to have a plan, and I try to have a plan because it's good to be prepared, but I have to hold my plans very loosely, and that's hard for me. It's difficult for me to do that, but at the same time, it's so liberating now that I'm homeschooling when it comes to coming up with our homeschool plan because chances are it's going to have to be revised anyway. And it's easier for me to let go of it if I have that attitude and that mindset going into it. So um, I thought maybe it would be helpful for anyone who is homeschooling to hear a little bit about what my set-aside scheduled time looked like when I had my planning and review session for what I wanted to do for this next six-week interval of homeschooling. So basically, I just looked over everything that we've been doing in our homeschool, and I take this time to really reevaluate all of the things, and I only allow myself to do that. I only give myself permission to really reconsider things during that Sabbath week, and I Credit Sarah McKenzie with that idea, Sarah McKenzie from the Read Aloud Revival. She writes about this in her book, Teaching from Rest, and I'll link to that book in the show notes. Um, If you're praying about homeschooling, thinking about homeschooling, that's a really good low stakes entry book. But Sarah McKenzie in that book talks about how she would only give herself six weeks at a time to plan for something. And then she would reevaluate after those six weeks and only after those six weeks. Otherwise, it's really easy and tempting to try and start a program, pivot, think, oh, let's try this other new shiny thing that I just found on the internet, and then switch to that and then decide, oh, the grass really wasn't greener on the other side and go back to the thing that you were doing. It would be so easy to do that, but instead I commit to doing things at least six weeks at a time, if not ideally for the entire school year. So I look at our routine and I looked at our books, our websites, our all of our videos, all of those things. And I look at who's doing what and with whom during the school day. And the best part was having a scheduled time to sit down with Philip, it was so helpful to sit down with him and troubleshoot things because since I'm living it day in and day out, I have a lot of blind spots and I'm not always quickly aware of ways to change things because I'm so used to the way things have been. And so it was really helpful to troubleshoot with him things like our routine, things like how could we change meal stuff, the preparation, how to get things on the table, 
behavioral things with each child. Um, maybe I've mentioned he's a pediatrician, so he kind of comes in handy <laughs> on this front. And then also all of the things that happen outside of the homeschool day, what's working, what's not. And we ended up making some pretty substantial changes to our day. And um, basically the theme of this week's Sabbath week, when it came to reevaluating things, it was all about pruning. It kind of, it's kind of imitating what's happening outside in nature this upcoming weekend, since it's going to be gorgeous, we're going to spend it outside as much as possible. And we are going to be pruning back everything. And so that's kind of what we've done with our homeschool schedule. We have decided it's going to be all about simplification. So we've brought everyone, we had everyone on their own individual tracks for history, and everyone was really enjoying their books and it was great. But at the same time, the schedule was getting a little bit complicated. We weren't ending the homeschool day at a time that I was really thrilled about. Everyone was getting a little bit tired. So I wanted to find ways where we could shrink the schedule up a little bit without trying to oversimplify the schedule in a way where it felt like people were getting shortchanged in terms of the quality of the materials we were using or that kind of thing. And we came up with some really, I think, great, beautiful uh, ways of achieving that. So we brought everyone back together for history. We're doing Story of Civilization, Volume 2. And everyone outside of that is having their independent reading time where the younger kids have picture books and the older kids have their own selected chapter books. And we are almost done with our first week back. And that's been beautiful. They love it. Um, I'm thrilled with that. And then we have combined Harry and Dorothy. So Harry's our third grader, Dorothy is our first grader, and they had been on their own individual tracks. For the most part, Dorothy was with me for pretty much the entire school day, and Harry had started to do some independent work. Um, but here's where you need to know a little bit of homeschooling lingo. So, and some of you teachers will know what I'm talking about too. I'm a former high school Spanish teacher, by the way. So <laughs> I like to tell my mom and dad that I'm using my college degree every day as a homeschooling mom. Um, but so in school, you have skill-based subjects. So things that are like math or English, where in the homeschooling world, you have kids that are on their individual tracks and each skill builds upon something that they've learned previously. So everyone kind of is doing their own thing. And then you have content-based subjects. So those are not necessarily grade specific. And those subjects, the content-based subjects are a lot easier to combine kids. So those are things like a lower level science or a literature class where you can read aloud or read things together. Lots of different ways you can approach those classes. So where I'm going with this is since Harry and Dorothy are closer in age, um, that was a quick, easy way for us to shrink the schedule up, make it a little bit more condensed. So Harry and Dorothy are combined for more of their content-based subjects than they had been. And they love being together. And it's so fun because Dorothy, the first grader, is really motivated and challenged by seeing her big brother Harry reading these books really quickly and putting words together when we have the read aloud that we're sharing together. We just finished Pippi Longstocking. And it's so fun because then you get these inside jokes with the kids because they're doing the books with you together. And that's been really fun. One week in, it's going really well having them combined. 
And then the other thing that was a big motivator is I am very serious about trying to get us outside for as much of the day as possible. One of the biggest reasons why we moved out to the country is because I wanted us to be in the great outdoors. I want to send the kids outside. I want to get myself outside and be out there as much as possible. So our goal is during the homeschool day to be outside at least two hours and then to have more time beyond our homeschooling day. And so um, I've been really motivated by following the work of Ginny Urich with 1000 Hours Outside, and I'll link to her stuff in the show notes. I'm so excited. She has a new book coming out at the end of December. And if you know anything about her, the whole idea behind 1000 Hours Outside, and I should probably dedicate a whole different podcast episode to this. Um, So the whole idea behind 1000 Hours Outside is that when Ginny started this, I I want to say it was around 10 years ago, the statistics were saying that most children were spending approximately a thousand hours on screens a day. Oh, sorry, not a day. (laughs) Now that would be astonishing since there are 24 hours in a day. No, that children were spending an average of a thousand hours a year on screens. And now 10 years later, I would say that that's a pretty conservative estimate and that it's probably a lot higher now. Um, But she wanted to challenge her own family to spend that same amount of time outside. And she has challenged other families since then to meet them in that challenge. And it's become this huge phenomenon in a lot of different circles, not just in the homeschooling world. And she has a wonderful podcast with the same name that I have just started listening to. And it's fantastic. Um, But it's been so inspiring to our family. And I think I'll probably share more on that in a future episode. Maybe someday I can even have Ginny on the podcast, but it has really motivated us to take the challenge seriously with getting outside. And so we adjusted the schedule with Philip's help. I was able to find ways to extend our morning and our afternoon outside time. And it has been one week in. I know we're still in the honeymoon period of the new schedule, but they after one week of having so much more outside time than we had, I honestly, when we're out there, sometimes I feel like a forest school teacher. The kids just want to go and be, and I don't have to referee the way that I used to. And we also made the change to bring our preschooler home from three-day preschool. And Since we've made that transition at the beginning of this week, we've noticed a lot less um, outbursts from her. We're in the middle of October here. So she had been in preschool for a couple months and she had developed some major tantrums and was having lots of big feelings. And I am sure because this is our fifth child to be going to preschool, um, she was going through all the big feelings that everyone else went through. And we had the same issues with every child when they went to preschool because it's the first time that they've really been away from home. And Gloria is three. So do the math on what year it is and subtract three. She turned one right as COVID was starting. So this was really her first time away from home on a regular basis. And that was a pretty big deal. Um, And I'm all for traditional preschool. I think it's great. It was a great fit for our older children, 
but Gloria was struggling with it. And now that we've made the transition to homeschooling, it was a no brainer for us to bring her back home. It's created a lot more peace. Um, even that little bit of time that we were taking to go pick her up from school three days a week was a lot. So, um, she definitely has mellowed emotionally this week. She's thrilled to be part of our homeschooling day. She loves participating. We do Spanish every morning and she she might be my best student because <laughs> those of you who have studied another language before, those little ones, they pick it up like that. They are fearless when it comes to repeating things. Uh, so she cracks me up. It has been a joy to have her at home. And if you would have told me even just a couple of years ago, number one, that I would be homeschooling or number two, that I would have six kids and I would voluntarily bring the preschooler back home after I had had a preschool set up for her, I would have said you were wackadoodle because that is just so not where I was a couple of years ago. But I don't know if this homeschooling thing has taught me anything. It's if this is something that God wants, he will take care of making up for all of your shortcomings and more. Because let me tell you, I was not, I am not naturally super patient and gentle and calm. And it's something that I have to work at very hard every day. But I am convinced that this is something that God has called us to. And it has been, I mean, aside from marrying Philip (laughs) and being open to having all these babies, it's it's been the most life-giving thing we could have done for our family. So sorry, I feel like that was a really big aside, but bringing Gloria home has been really good. Um, it's definitely had its moments, but I mean, she's three, but it's been going really well and everyone's thrilled to have her back. Um, also another adjustment, um, we have been getting outside a lot more, but I've also noticed our older kids, you know, our oldest three are 12, 11, and nine, and they have lots of energy with their growing bodies and everything. And I wanted them to have a more formal outlet. So Philip and I have decided to ask them to get on the treadmill for a bit of time each day, in addition to all the outside time that we have. So they've really enjoyed that. Actually, all of them, they are my children. So they love audiobooks. So that's their favorite thing to do when they're on the treadmill is to listen to an audiobook. They love how much more reading they're getting in each day because of it. And then another important change that we made, and this is huge. And it's happening because of the nudging of Philip is that I must get a weekly break time just me on my own. And it's not a work time. It's a time that I have to actually take a real break and read for fun, get outside by myself, go somewhere where no one can get a hold of me. And I love that that is a huge priority of Phillips for me. Um, so stay tuned on how that's going and how I'm going to make that happen. Um, I haven't found a consistent time where that's always going to be possible. So still figuring that one out. Um, and then something that we've done this last week, that's been really helpful is we're calling it a power hour. So more or less, we have an hour every day where Philip's able to be home before we eat dinner. And he very gently 
<laughs> encourages me to go either down here to the basement where I'm recording or to the classroom if I need to have a lot of books um, to get my homeschool prep work done for the next day or do my grading or just get myself situated. And that's been great because it's held me accountable with keeping up with whatever's going to be happening the next day, being prepared so that I'm not scrambling the next morning. And it helps me to be present for the rest of the evening, both with Philip and our marriage and then with the kids. And then the next morning I'm ready to go and I'm not scrambling. And, um, I try to use that power hour and sometimes it's not a full hour. Sometimes I only need 20 minutes, half an hour, if even that, um, then I'm able to use that time to look at my clipboard. If you missed my episode on my clipboard planner, I explain a lot more of the details of what goes into that, but that's the time when I fill in what goes on all my post-it notes for my clipboard planner. And that's been great to have that set, um, going into the next day. And then, I spent a lot of time before I pushed record on this episode thinking about what sorts of changes I'll make for my next Sabbath week. So um, a couple things. I want to create a bullet list of all of the things that I want to work through on the homeschooling front during my planning and review session, but I want to under plan all of the things. And I want to make sure that I have a lot fewer agenda items because I have six young kids in the house and I cannot ignore them at the expense of preparing for homeschooling because that doesn't make sense. So I need to go into Sabbath week with really realistic expectations. On my daily clipboard planner, I only give myself three things that I tell myself I'm realistically going to to be able to accomplish. And most days I don't even get to all three and that's okay. Um, But I want to make sure going into my next Sabbath week that I have fewer agenda items. And I think between now and then I will keep an ongoing list of things that I want to get to, but with the idea that I'm going to have to create the equivalent of a big three that I'm not going to be able to get to all of it. But then at least it's like a brain dump where I'm able to have all of it written down and accounted for somewhere. And then if I decide that I'm not going to do that thing or I need to wait because it's not the right time to do that thing, I can cross it off and it's gone and I don't have to worry about it anymore. And then I want to make sure and spend some time um, talking with Philip, having a special meeting, just the two of us, talking about all the stuff outside of homeschooling. So that all of the things that are happening outside of homeschooling, what's coming up on the calendar, big projects that we want to work on together, holidays that are going to be going on, maybe we have some sort of other big life event happening, so that we can prepare for those things um, and just have them on our radar and make sure that we're both working toward the same goals. And then I want to create really firm, strong boundaries about what Sabbath week will and will not look like. So I don't know about you, but it's really a temptation for me when I have this idea of a whole week called Sabbath week to really overdo it, which sounds really ironic (laughs) because Sabbath, the whole idea, it's all about rest, right? And refreshment. Do you hear my toddler's push toy upstairs? (laughs) Helen has learned how to push her push toy everywhere and she's running with that thing. So do you hear it? 
I hope you do. <laughs> I'm not going to edit it out. Um, so yeah, it's so tempting for me to overdo it, but I have to be really wise with my Sjogren's syndrome. I've talked about it on previous episodes of the podcast. It's this autoimmune disorder that I have. Um, I just have a temptation to really give, 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 overdo it when I have those pockets of free time and I um, can get really sick if I do that. So I need to give myself some really firm starting times and end times for each day when I will and when I won't do more planning and work and then set aside time for fun each day. And that might sound silly to some of you, but some of us can turn into these worker bee workaholics when we get into project or task mode. And I wish I were different, but it's so tempting to me to get into that place. And I don't know if it's pride or this um, high achieving identity that I really held on to for a long time, um, this need for checking things off and gold stars. And I don't know, it was a real mind game for me when I transitioned to being a full-time stay-at-home mom. You don't have a boss anymore. You don't have anyone giving you feedback or telling you you're doing a great job. Um, and honestly, last week I was telling Philip through tears, if I'm honest, that sometimes mothering, the hardest part is feeling like, man, I'm being really consistent in my discipline. I'm making all these great choices and everything else. And then when the kid gets mad at me, it feels like I'm getting yelled at for doing a really great job. And that's hard. <laughs> and it stinks. And I really wish that I weren't so sensitive about it, but it's really difficult to do that, especially as a homeschooling mom where you're, you're giving your all for this thing. But anyway, it's um, where I'm going with that is it's so important not to take myself and my job so seriously that I forget to have fun. And I think that's probably been the primary motivator for why we're getting outside each day, because at least twice a day, for close to an hour, the kids and I are getting outside and playing without an agenda. And we love it. And it's a chance for them to remember that mom's fun. And mom can laugh at herself and we can laugh together and just have a great time. And to remember that my teacher hat is just one of my many hats, that I'm their mom, that we have fun together, and that... um yeah. Yeah. That mom's fun. <laughs> Cause sometimes mom is not fun and mom is a taskmaster, and mom is all about go, go, go do, do, do. And I think I got into that a little bit too much. This, I know I got a lot too much into that this past week, especially when it came to trying to tackle that big project of switching out everyone's clothes. Cause I think I got into this headspace of, Oh man, if we don't, get this done, then we're going to go back into homeschooling and I'm going to know I have however many kids left and I didn't get to it. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, and then it would have been fine. But why do we do that to ourselves? <sighs> because we're perfectionists that are recovering and we live as humans in a world where we have limitations and God gives them to us because we need them. Yeah. <laughs> See, I told you in the beginning, it's a lesson he wants me to learn all the time. 
But that's all that I have for our house. Our first Sabbath week went. It went really well. There's some things I'm going to do differently next time. But I want to hear from you. I want to know if you homeschool, if you don't homeschool, and you have a regular opportunity where you're checking in with yourself, doing a brain dump, figuring out what's going well, what's not, what you need to make adjustments on. And if you have those regular times for goal setting and reflection and revision, but I want to get feedback from you on that. And then also I wanted to let you know, I have gotten so much amazing feedback from all of you on my episode on pelvic floor physical therapy. And I have some great news. My physical therapist has agreed to come on the podcast and her business partner, who is also a pelvic floor physical therapist, may be able to join her if we can work it out with our calendars. So people, now is your chance. If you have a question about pelvic floor physical therapy, send them my way. Or if you have feedback about this episode, I want to hear that too. As always, you can email me at podcast at katherineboucher.com, or you can find me on social media. And I hope I'll hear from you. And I hope I can share your feedback on a future episode. Until next time, I'll be praying for you. Please pray for me. Continue the conversation with the people in your life and share what you heard while you were folding.